Welcome, welcome, kings and queens, to another episode of Chats with Black-Owned Businesses. This is our sixth episode, Creating Wealth Through Service. We interview Sam, who is serving his purpose through his Black-owned business called Black Real Estate Dialogue. He has started a podcast that educates and connects the Black community to the power of real estate investing while sharing his journey and many successful Black investors' experiences. Sam shares how he has monetized this one-man show into a viable business and gives a few tips to new investors and podcasters. I really hope you enjoy the show and help us normalize Black wealth and Black ownership by liking, subscribing, and sharing. Thanks. Let's get started. All right. What's up, everybody? My name is Sam Dalsine. I'm the host of the Black Real Estate Dialogue podcast. I'm very excited to uh, to be here today. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, um, what you saw or didn't see that shaped your idea of building wealth. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, both of my parents came to New York from Haiti. And growing up, I didn't learn much about building wealth of my parents and the parents all those around me just trying to survive, just trying to pay the bills. Like I always knew I wanted to be in a better position financially than my family was. Um, but I did know that I wanted to be wealthy just because I didn't want to, uh, like we grew up okay. You know, we, we survived, we had what we needed, but there was never a surplus, if that makes sense. Like we yeah. had enough to eat, to pay the bills and so forth, but there was nothing more than that. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were times when we struggled, but that's not the life I wanted to live. So I knew that for sure. So how did you get into this whole entrepreneurial mindset? Like how did it start for you as far as becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I think I had an entrepreneurial uh, spirit from a young age. Um, it's, it's crazy. I was just thinking about, there was a time when my family had to move and I, had a basketball hoop in the backyard and a close friend of mine who I'm still friends with, I said, well, I got to do something with this hoop. So I'm going to sell it to him. And so I had him put a down payment on the hoop and I showed up every week asking for my money and I put him on a payment plan. He didn't finish paying it off, but I'm like, looking back, I'm like, wow, I've been a shrewd businessman from a young age. And thereafter, my freshman year of high school in New York City, or probably in most places, when you're on an athletic team, in order to pay for your jerseys and different things, you sell candy. And I noticed that there were two people I knew who were not on teams, but they got the candy boxes that the athletes got and they were selling their own candy. And so at that time, I realized an opportunity and I said, all right, I'm gonna do the same thing. So I got me a candy box from the garbage and you know, my family went to BJ's with this kind of like your Costco, whatever. You know I mean? My first purchase, I purchased a mix of candy and I knew where the hot spots were in the school. So I would place myself there in between periods and I did it very systematically. And I made about probably a thousand dollars profit as a, as a freshman, as a freshman who gets like a couple bucks a day as your allowance, you got a lot of money. There were two things. One, like my mother was very upset about it because for her, and I get it from her, it was like, wow, are you, are you saying, do you think I can't provide for you? Um, and things of that nature. And I said, no, like I'm just trying to get money. And you know, you're not technically supposed to do it. So there was one time I transitioned over to Welch's, you know, as opposed to like the canned, you know, chocolate and Skittles and stuff. And the teacher took my whole box because they found out I was not selling for a team. Mm -hmm. And I tried to restart again and got shut down. So, you know, 
there weren't too many ventures in between there until I got out of college, really. But looking back, that's where it started. Like I always, I guess I always knew I was interested in business of some sort and making money um, and noticing ways of opportunity to make some money. Uh, so I think it started, it started pretty young for me and reappeared um, in the last year, I would say. Walk us through that journey of how it reappeared and how you know you got started with your business, your podcast. Yeah, that's a great question. So I always thought, like in my twenties, I figured, okay, you know, I'll work, I'll go to school, I'll go to business school or something, I'll become like a consultant, and then I'll start my own consulting company. For me, I was thinking about it in a very cookie cutter way, how I'm gonna get to entrepreneurship, thinking that I need to do all those things, go to cookie cutter way, go through the corporate life and world in order to do it because that's just kind of what you're exposed to right i tried to go to business school that didn't work out and i'm like all right cool that's not my lane i guess so uh fast forward last week last sorry last summer i'm on the couch with my friend here in la and i'm just telling him like hey man what do you think if i made a podcast what if i made a podcast i listen to a lot of podcasts there's not really one specifically about black real estate investors. So what if I made one? He didn't ask any questions. He didn't. He said, do it. That's all he said. This is the same guy who made my logo and my course cover and stuff. He said, do it. From there, I kind of just, you know, went with it, started the podcast, didn't know what I was doing and just figured it out along the way. Um, But I think I also have to credit my nine to five as well, because my last two jobs, I was on teams or doing work that was brand new where we had to build it from the ground up. And those kind of jobs always interest me because I get bored quickly. I need things to change up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think working in environments like that and working with other people to build things from scratch um, has kind of parlayed itself into entrepreneurship. And so the podcast, we're at over 40 episodes now, started in October. It's been great. Um, from there, started getting into affiliate marketing, and then I created my own product um, to teach people how to do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I just didn't—I wasted so much time just researching, trying to figure stuff out. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just compile everything I've learned to help other people. Uh, so that's kind of how it reappeared. And to be honest, like it's—it's taking a life of—it's taking on a life of its own. You know, when I started off, I didn't intend to make any money off of it. I didn't even know you could make money um, through something like this. So it's interesting. It's, it's great. You know, a lot of doors have opened up for me. A lot of great relationships have opened up for me. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad I did it. But yeah, that's yeah, that's the long story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. From what I've heard is that if you're not making money with it, it's a hobby. So how did you turn this hobby into something that is producing money for you? Yeah. So it started when. So when I first started off, I was just promoting the products of different guests. Um, so you know, people have courses and different things. And, you know, I was happy to support it. And I think there was one who asked me to be an affiliate who said, oh, if you want to be an affiliate, I'm like, what is an affiliate? And, you know, I was I was able to learn that if you sell someone's product, you can get a percentage of it. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I didn't even know you could do that. So I started to do affiliate marketing probably in January, but it didn't really pick up steam really until quarantine. Um, that's kind of when things went through the roof. And s- secondly, I was part of like a real estate event in October and I'm like, oh, well, you know, this is a good opportunity to promote my brand. And I think, I don't even think I had an episode yet. Maybe I had one or two and I got a shirt printed and with the logo on it. So I'm like, you know, it's a good time to represent or whatever. And when I got there, 
people were asking where they could buy it. I'm like, uh, it's not for sale. But um, in January, I put that up um, and that's done okay. But digital products have been a lot more lucrative, but it kind of just happened, you know? It just happened like, you know, I learned about different things from people. Um, people reached out to me or people asked me things that kind of put me in directions to start to monetize. Um, so for me, I say primarily, it's affiliate marketing right now and also selling my my uh, my digital product um, that are the main drivers. But, you know, I know there's there's so many other ways that it can expand and grow over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I, mean, I think it's pretty cool. I kind of just stumbled upon it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. so can you tell us a little bit more about the course that you have on Gumroad, how that evolved? Yeah. Um, so I started getting a lot of DMs from people. Um, people asking about making a podcast, people asking about um, how to monetize it and things of that nature. And I'm like, I can't answer all these DMs. So I should just create a digital product just to show people what I've learned. And I also said, like, I want to give back too, because there's one aspect of it, right? Where it's focused on real estate. Most of the audience is probably interested in real estate, but I'm like, it's got to be based on the message that I'm getting. There's got to be a section of people who are interested in how I was able to make a podcast that's fairly successful mm-hmm. in a short period of time. Yeah. Um, so that was it for me. I'm just like, okay, it can make it easier. I don't have to answer too many questions. I feel like I'm able to serve someone better instead of ha- being one-on-one. If I could package it and someone could just buy it and do their thing, I feel like I'm serving them better than if I'm trying to get to their message in the midst of other messages. You know what I mean? Um, so that was kind of it for me, just more of an efficient, more efficient way to help people. Um, and also just to pass on to people, you know, I don't, I don't feel, I feel like the world is big. There's no, point of me being the only podcast like there are people who like different stuff like most people may not like real estate and that's fine you know but you can make a podcast and people will be interested in it there are people who are interested in what you're interested in which is what i always try to tell people um so that was it for me just to empower others as well um and something else is that my podcast helped me to find my voice and to serve my community to help my community in a different way and you know i feel like you know, in the midst of everything, this is my contribution to the movement, just empowering us with information on how to become owners. Because in this country, what's incentivized is business ownership, land ownership, real estate ownership. That is what's incentivized in this country. So for me, it's like, all right, these are some of the ways that we can maneuver within this system that was not set up for us. So for me, this is my contribution to the fight. Uh, So all that to say, a lot of the reasons why I decided to go ahead and create my own product. I think that's another reason why you're being so successful in what you're doing is because you're finding a need and you're servicing those people. That's just brilliant. What were some hurdles you faced in starting your business? First hurdle would be my own unbelief. It's interesting how the mind works. Like this is something I've never done before, right? I don't have, I didn't have any experience in it. I didn't personally know anybody who had done it. So I didn't have anybody to lean on. Okay. I had to just figure things out and it was tough. It was tough. Like in the beginning, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to upload to any of the, the um, hosting places. Um, I barely knew what I was doing. I remember I was initially going to record on Skype. Like I started reaching out to people talking about Skype and the person said, do you have Zoom? And this is somebody who I didn't end up interviewing until maybe eight months after, but I told her when I interviewed her, if it wasn't for you, I would never know that I should I should be using Zoom um, to record and everything. So, you know, I didn't know how to edit. And for me, the hardest part was just pushing through, you know, and just 
believing that I would get better, I would improve. Um, so it was hard. It was hard, of course. Um, and I think in the beginning it was hard as well because people didn't always reply that I reached out to. And I talk about that in my course, like the fact that people are busy, people may not always be able to respond. Uh, so that was something else too. And then third, I would say is the people around me. I don't know anybody who has done this. I don't know anybody who started a podcast. Um, so people didn't really understand why I was doing it. You know what I mean? Why I was dedicating so much time. And I had to realize that my customer base, that my audience is not my family and friends. My family and friends are my family and friends. They are not my customers. They don't have to be my listeners. Um, and I think once I got over that, I was full steam ahead. And once I kind of just kept believing in myself and it's like, you know what? It's not gonna be perfect. You just gotta go, you just gotta start and you'll get better. And things did, thankfully. So I would, those are definitely some of the hurdles. And you know, sometimes it's still hard, you know? Sometimes it's still hard. Uh, everything doesn't always go as planned, right? But I think, you know, when things don't go as planned, it makes you more creative and it makes you motivated to figure out other other options for things. I would love to hear your take on this. How long did it take for things to start to actually start moving along when you actually start feeling like, yeah, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm serving my community and there like there's actually a community out there that's receiving this. When did you get, you know, that positive feedback um, that you needed to, you know, continue hustling, continue doing what you were doing? I really went to the next level during quarantine. I think a big a big part of it was people were just more attentive. People were online more. Yeah, like around March, April, I started going live a lot with different guests and stuff. You know, the following increased, like people were just more engaged. And, I, and once I was around that point, I'm like, okay, I think I might be onto something. Cause it was kind of like stagnant mm -hmm. from my perspective for the first three, four, five months. And this felt like that each of the last few months. I'm like, okay, I'm really onto something. Favorite like memories of being a business owner? I would say the friendships, the friendships I made. Like one of my guests, um, Mark Jones, I think I interviewed him, I don't know, maybe episode 20 or something. We've become good friends because we both kind of got into e-commerce and like online business together. At the, around the same time, we released our courses. Our first courses we released maybe the same week or something, um, but he's doing really well now. But um, yeah, so we push each other every day. We encourage each other. He called me this morning just to <laughs> encourage me. He talked to somebody about some stuff. So I would say the relationships, that's been the favorite part of it, you know? And just knowing that, you know, I have now have relationships with people all over the country, you know? Um, and it's great. It's really cool. Like people I can call on if I need help, if I'm working on a deal or, you know, if I need some advice about business or about real estate, I can hit, I can, there's certain people I can just hit up and at the you know at the drop of a dime we can connect uh so i say that just the relationships i've been able to build it's almost like getting mentors in a, in a way you know because a lot of the things that my guests do or have done i aspire to do and they've helped me out on my on my journey so that's definitely been you know the, the best part and i think also there's just the impact that is it's it's making as well you know, I have, you know, I look through the comments, I look through the reviews and it's just amazing what the, the nice things people have to say. And it keeps me going, just knowing that someone finds the information valuable, you know, whether it's one person or 100, you know, I think, I think, I think all of it, all of it really matters and it just helps. Cause you know, I don't feel like recording every time <laughs> I record, but I know when I start, someone is gonna be impacted. When I asked you how long it took you to actually start seen some type of feedback um, from what you were doing and you said um, it was stagnant the first three months or so. Um, can you just explain to us how important consistency in your mind frame was during those times of 
not getting the feedback that you were expecting. One thing I always knew is that this is part of my purpose. This is what I'm part of what I'm here to do. I feel very, I feel strongly about that. So during those times, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I have to keep going. I have to keep putting stuff out because you never know when something is going to hit. And I'm not even close to what my peak is going to be. I know that for a fact. Mm. It's important to just keep going. It may seem like a waste of time. It may seem like it's not worth it, but you will never know if you don't keep going. It could take off in the second year, in the third year. You never know. You never know what opportunity is going to come your way. You never know who's watching either because a lot of people are watching. A lot of people are listening. They may not say anything, but they see it. So for me, I'm like, all right, I just have to keep going. I have to keep going. There's some signs. Um, it may not be what I think it is or what I think it should be. I may not know how to do everything well right now, but I have to keep going. So for me, I just kept it in my mind. Like, you never know what's going to happen. Just keep filling your purpose, keep serving the people, keep putting contests together, keep interviewing people and sharing their stories. Just keep putting stuff out. And eventually you'll see some signs where, you know, it's like, all right, cool. You know, I feel motivated to keep going. I feel motivated to keep growing. What, in your own words, makes your business special? I think the relatability, you know, I don't, I'm a common person. I'm a common man. Like I, I have, I'm not a guru. I have a job, <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to make it like everybody else. Yeah. So I think the, I think the, the relatability piece of it, um, because, you know, one thing I'm intentional about including in my podcast is my journey and what, how things are going with me and my real estate endeavors. I think it's important to have that transparency. Everything does not always go well, right? Sometimes things don't go as planned. So for me, I think what makes my business new, unique is the relatability and you know the access right like i'm not i'm not filtering people through an assistant i'm not at that point yet so people are able to connect with me directly um so i think just the relatability and the accessibility um makes my business unique how has your business though changed from when you first started do, do you have a team how has it grown um from when you first started in october of last year yeah so it's still just me you know i have you know i might have someone help with like you know, a course cover or something like, something like that, but it's still pretty much just me. You know, I've been able to, uh, you know, create like commercials. So for the course and for um, like an introduction to the podcast, I was able to do that, work with Donald the voice on that um, to get a, a bit of assistance there. But it's just me pretty much grinding each day. Uh, yeah, I'm still a one man show. You know, there are people who help. Hopefully eventually I have a team. Um, I have <laughs> someone I'm working with on like digital marketing and, and Facebook ads. Uh, but that we literally just started on that. I need you to break down what are you doing to, with this one man team? Because literally every single time uh, I, I'm not on social media like that, which is why I, I know that I would need a team or something. So I just see posts from you from every angle. And I'm just like, I don't even have the time to keep up with it. Then on top of that, I, if I if I message you, you respond. Are you like automating any of this? Like, how are you getting all of this? done as a one-man show yeah well it's definitely not perfect there's some automation like i've used different posting apps and stuff before but you still gotta create the stuff right so mm. it's time consuming i'm not gonna lie to you it's time consuming like you know on twitter for example if i'm on twitter to really engage you got to spend some time on there and i i don't i'm not able to spend time on twitter every day but instagram I'm on pretty much every day you know i'm not as efficient i just try to put out as much stuff as possible when stuff comes to mind i try to just push it out but um, I am working towards getting more organized. Like I do want to put out more content, have more like, you know, systems and plans and stuff. But yeah, I guess I just, I just get it done. Like it, it is time consuming, but I think during the quarantine, 
that's allowed me to have more time for sure because mm-hmm. um, I'm not driving all you know here and there so I have more downtime to create stuff and to create posts and things of that nature but it's time consuming I would definitely say that <laughs> so hopefully you know I get to a point where there's certain stuff that someone else is doing but right now I'm pretty much doing everything you're gonna get multiple questions that are the same do you have like a like responses or um, a system where you can literally just copy and paste responses that you said to other people like is there anything that you do to help kind of like streamline things for yourself that's a good question so I, I haven't set up the Instagram autoresponders yet right now my DMs are pretty manageable right now like um, but you know eventually I want to work towards having like you know the autoresponders or things of that nature like when it gets to a point that I can't handle it I'm just gonna need to get some help but yeah for right now it's pretty, I'd say it's pretty manageable. I mean, some things fall through the cracks. Like it's hard to sometimes get back to people mm-hmm. you know, as fast as I would want to. And with all of this, have you um, quit your nine to five or are you still working your regular nine to five and just adding all of this onto it? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely still working my nine to five. Like I'm not, I'm not making enough to where I could leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I want to just continue to grow the business and yeah, I want to continue to grow the business. I'll probably, I'll, I plan to have a nine to five for like the foreseeable future. What the money that comes in the business, I want that to be for the business. I don't want to eat off of that right now. Because a lot of times when people are, you know, wanting to be an entrepreneur, they just want to find the easiest get out, you know, of that nine to five and don't realize that you have to actually, you know, put a system in place and maybe that nine to five can actually get you to where you need to go even quicker. So if you can just kind of like, break down your thought process of keeping your nine to five. I think there's a lot of nine to five shaming. Like, you know, in my post, I say stuff about the job, I do, but it's just from personal experience, right? Um, so stuff like, you know, you're a line item in your job's budget or, you know, your job doesn't care about you being wealthy. Like I say different things about the job, but it's just the facts of the job, right? Mm-hmm. Most professions, you are not going to gain your wealth from working for someone else. Um, at the same time, your nine to five could be your biggest investor into your business. And one of my guests, uh, landlord and stilettos, uh, Michelle McAllister, she mentioned building a bridge, building a bridge to leave your nine to five. And for me, it's about building a bridge. Like I'm not about to quit my job tomorrow because I had a couple successful months mm-hmm. in business. That makes no sense to me. For me, it's like when I leave the nine to five, I want to leave for a business that's doing well because mm. For me, it's like, I won't be stressed, you know? I won't have to be stressed to create money or to find money. Like, when I leave my nine to five, whenever that is, I want to have built a bridge where the transition is easy. Some people have different risk tolerance and they can just drop everything. That's not my personality. Yeah, I think there's way too much nine to five shaming. Some people are fine. They like their job. They like the nine to five. They don't aspire to be business owners. Perhaps they'll passively invest in stuff. They don't want to be the head of a business. And that's fine. You know, I don't think, I think you can do both. You can have a nine to five and invest and you can have a nine to five and have a business. If you're happy with just your nine to five and putting away money for your retirement and you plan to work through then, that's your prerogative. So I think it's to each his own. You know, I don't think I'll be working nine to five for my, the rest of my young, you know, pre-60 or whatever. I just think it, it just depends on who you are. But for me, I'm building a bridge. I'm, I will leave when it's time. And I'm taking my time, I'm not in a rush. You know, I just wanna build a good business, build a consistent business. And when the time comes, you know, even if it's years down the line, you know, we'll we'll make that choice. Um, As far as um, your business goes, you have the podcast, real estate investing that you're doing, and you have your um, course on Gumroad. Are all of them built under one bridge and, or are you having them as different businesses? Like, how are you setting that up? That's a good question. So everything is in my name right now. Um, Like, I'm not even, 
fully incorporated or anything like that. Because I didn't think everything that's happened now, happening now, I didn't expect that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything is not through an entity at this time. Um, I have an accountant who uh, is helping me out with stuff. She said, you know, so for right now, she's like, you know, you're good. You're good now, but once you reach a certain income level, then we'll have to reconsider. Uh, mm -hmm. So for right now, it's all a sole proprietorship. Yeah, for tax purposes, my CPA was just saying, how you know the way it is now with where the income is now um you're fine where you're at and we'll kind of reevaluate throughout the year how has it benefited you and your business of having an accountant as far as savings mm. or anything like that do you have any of those um stories to um to share yeah so i just i start so before this year i was working with uh, TurboTax. this is the first year i actually worked with an accountant it was this black woman it's actually todd capital it's his mother she's a cpa nice um, okay i'll get her information yeah. to put on the show notes yeah she's really good um and so, yeah, it kind of it started with her and it was great. It was great. You know, she's good. She knows her stuff, but I kind of let the accountant handle the accounting stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we did the taxes last year from like, you know, my W2, my house and all that stuff. Uh, so I say, find a good CPA, you're good. Find a good yeah. CPA, they'll, they'll make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do and paying your taxes and, you know, getting write-offs and all those things. I think it's important, like, I was talking to a friend a while back and I said, you have to start assembling your team. Rich people have a team. Mm. They have an accountant, they have an attorney, you know, attorney, estate planner, they have bankers, they have people to guide them in all the main areas of their life. And so for me, I just see it as I'm building my team. Mm. You know, I have my accountant now, mm -hmm. um, eventually I'll have my attorney and, and all those things. So um, I, it's important, you know, you got to start building your team. You got to start building your team for when you reach that point. So everything's already in place. Can you let us know how that team is going to look like? What the team's going to look like? Uh, oh yeah, all black. Oh yeah, all black. All black for sure. 100%. Awesome. All about circulating that dollar. Is there anything else that you would want to say um, before we head out? Yeah. Um, well, one, I'm just, I'm very, I'm proud of you. So keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Um, and yeah, to anybody who's interested in real estate, interested in podcasting, check me out um, at Black Real Estate Dialogue on Instagram, uh, Red Podcast on Twitter. More than happy to, to help anybody. So feel free to reach out if you want to chat. If, you, if I can help you with anything, let me know. But yeah, otherwise, you know, if there's something you want to do, a passion you feel in your heart, just go for it. Awesome. So a couple of tips for people to start their own podcast. Uh, the first is figure out why you want to do it. It's the time commitment that will not, probably won't have returns for like a long time. Um, so you gotta figure out why you wanna do it because the reason why is gonna carry you through when you don't feel like recording or when you don't see certain results that you want. Uh, so that's the first thing that I would say. Uh, the second is build your audience. You know, start your social media channels before you even drop the podcast. You know, start dropping knowledge, start um, dropping resources. Um, me, I, I did it probably maybe like a month before I dropped the podcast, but I would recommend doing it even further in advance because if you build an audience and you build uh, a tribe and a following about whatever your topic is, once you start your podcast, they're going to eat it up. You know, I kind of had to build both at once. Uh, so if you could do that, I'll recommend that. And it can also give you some more lead time to, you know, ramp up towards it, to preview it, to get guests and things of that nature. Cause I was kind of scrambling in the beginning. So I would say those two things uh, for podcasting. So uh, figure out your why, build your audience and, and just learn as much as you can. And then for real estate, I would say the first thing is to figure out what strategy you want to use. Do you want to buy and hold? Do you want to flip? 
Are you looking for just a primary residence for you and your family? Do you want a house hack? Uh, so I would say figure out what it is you want to do. But the way you do that is just by taking the information. So consider how you process information. Are you more of a video person? Are you more of an audio person? Are you more of a reading person? And go, go at it accordingly. So if you are an audio person, check out podcasts about real estate. If you are a video person, go on YouTube, um, watch documentary. Well, yeah, go on YouTube, I'd say. Go on YouTube or buy a course, a video course. Um, if you're into more into reading, processing information that way, there's plenty of books, plenty of books about real estate investing. Um, so I would say those are the three things I would say. Um, and then secondly, I would say get your money together too. So once you find out your strategy, you got to figure out, okay, are you going to raise the money? Are you going to use some of your money? Or is it going to be a split of, of raising money, of hard money lenders, of bank money? Um, figure that out and try to like get your finances in order to, um, you know, figure out if you are investing by yourself, if you're going with a group. Um, those are some of the, some things you want to figure out as well. Uh, and yeah, just do your due diligence, um, you know, get your inspections. Uh, if you don't, it's a risk. If you will to take the risk, fine. Um, but yeah, just do your due diligence as well. That's what I would say. Um, do your homework, but also just do enough and know enough to get to the finish line. Don't feel like you have to know every single thing about investing in real estate before you do it. Because there's things I learned after the fact, there's things I'm still learning. You're never gonna stop learning in this, in this, in real estate. Um, so I would say, try to approach it with that mindset as well. Nice. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Have a good one. Thank you, I appreciate it. All right, everybody.